Welcome to the Indie Dotes, a podcast for independent creators. I'm Susan Bond, the host of your show. Uh, today we have uh, someone who I really greatly admire and I've known for a while uh, in the community and just from other people, um, Saranya Barak, and um, she is the founder of um, Code Newbie, which is uh, the most supportive uh, community of programmers and people learning to code. Um, she's also the host of the weekly podcast Code Newbies, and she just produced her first conference. Uh, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. So um, the thing that um, I think a lot of folks, you know, you've been around for a while and you do a really great Twitter chat too um, on Wednesdays, correct? Yep, that's right, 9 yeah, p.m. Yeah, yeah. Eastern time. Yeah, 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 that's so so great. Uh, I forgot to mention that one as well. Lots of ways to find you. Mm-hmm. Um, I, th- I feel like you've done so many different things and you went full-time um, with your venture when, remind me. Almost a year ago, so last August. That's right. So this was a side project for you for about how long? I think it was two years. Yeah, a while. Okay, got it. Mm -hmm. I wasn't sure exactly how long. And then, you know, so, you know, it's it's had its, like, twists and turns. And most recently, you just actually hosted your first conference. And I would love to hear, I love, like, inflection points Mm -hmm. in people's, like, projects and lives it's something that's really interesting I'm really interested in like transitions and how we manage them and what we learn and how we grow from them so I'm really curious about uh, that you know producing your first conference sure and by the way I love this idea of an inflection point I hadn't thought of a person's journey in that way but I love that that's really beautiful I'm gonna start thinking of my life in that way Um, oh thank you you know where it came from I don't know if they say it in this book but there's this book that I read a million years ago it's very old called transition Uh transitions Mm -hmm. by William Bridges and he talks about you know the beginnings middles and ends and where it gets hard and Mm -hmm. all of that and so it kind of comes from that and then I you know I just always thought about inflection points where there's like a moment (laughs) so that's what I'm I I I feel like such juice there so I'm, I'm glad you uh like that so yeah. okay on yeah. more about your conference sure so i remember going to my very first tech conference in 2014 it was RailsConf, and i attended and had a wonderful time but as someone who at that point i'd only been coding for i think like two months professionally and i was such a beginner and such a junior i was so intimidated and I thought to myself, man, I wish there was a conference that was designed specifically for beginners because I think our needs mm-hmm. are different. And I thought to myself, man, mm-hmm. at, at some point in my life, I'm going to make a conference for the Code Newbie. And this is like before Code Newbie, you know, really like started or was a thing and definitely before it was a business for sure. And, you know, I do a lot of speaking. I think I do maybe like 10 speaking engagements a year. And every time I go to a conference, I'm always taking notes in the back of my mind. I'm thinking, what are the things I love about this? And what are the things I hate about this? And I'm just kind of just been, you know, keeping a long list of things that I want to try and improve and iterate on for the conference that I would do at some point in my life. And about a year ago, when I decided to, I used to work at Microsoft, and I decided to leave and do code to be full time, I thought, okay, this is my chance. This is my chance to finally do the conference I've been thinking about and see if all of my ideas actually made sense and to see if anyone else cared about the things that I cared about. And, you know, the conference, I mean, if we're going to be, you know, very honest about tech conferences, most people like the fact that they're in a room full of other developers, they're in a room mm-hmm. full of people who have the same interests. So as long as you have that, then people are generally going to be happy, <laughs> you know, like as long right. as you don't have, you know, t- you know, terrible racist and, you know, sexist speakers on stage, like people will generally be happy. So what I was really paying attention to was were people happy and excited and did they notice the things that I cared about? Um, and they did. And that was the part that was just really awesome. Well, and I don't even know if we've said the name. What was the name of the conference? <laughs> That's a good I, I was like, I'm, I'm like, I know the name, but what, is, what was the name of the conference? It is called Codeland. And the idea is to explore the wonderful world of code. Well, and it's a really good point because I think I'm a forever code newbie. I've been learning to code in Ruby for, oh, I don't know, about five years now. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm, 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 my side project is still pretty small. Um, it's, it's not been ported to the web yet. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but I, you know, as a code newbie, I, I really get that because there are definitely, I'll go to a conference and I do think conference organizers try to 
think about that. They'll, you know, they try to get a mixture of things, but as a, mm-hmm. as a newbie, sometimes you just feel so completely lost and like things yeah. are over your head. And then it can actually have a really big impact. I found on your confidence. Like for a long time, I thought, Oh, I should not learn to code because I cannot understand a word of this. Oh my gosh. <laughs> right. Like who am I? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I really love that. And so, so it was th- this conference that just happened, and it happened, I believe, in April, correct? Mm-hmm. Yep, April yep. 21, 22. Yep. yep. And so this conference was years in the making, really, in your mind, right? Like it was something mm-hmm. you'd thought about a long time ago. Um, and what made you say now is the time? Yeah, um, it was mostly just that I quit my job and it was, you know, and, and kind of thinking about those inflection points, me quitting my job was about looking at my schedule and looking at my bandwidth and saying, there are all these projects that I want to do, the conference being one of the bigger ones. And I just don't have time to do it, you know? And I felt like as long as Code Newbie was a side thing that I did, it would always be this, it would always be something that I kept running instead of growing. And I really want an opportunity to just, you know, try new things and put on new projects. And so, uh, yeah, that was that was kind of the big thing was just, you know, I'm, I'm finally free. I finally have the bandwidth. I have the time. Uh, let me go ahead and do this really big thing. Well, that's such a good point too. run versus grow. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, and yep. they do. And, and when you really want to grow something, it does take time and concerted effort. I'm not saying you can't do it on the side of a job, but it definitely does take it does take some energy to grow it and, and time. Yeah. And I think, you know, part of it is also just the mental energy. You know, my, my mm. job at Microsoft, I was, um, I was a program manager for a technical training program and it was an amazing role and I was super passionate about it. And you know, I felt like I was really helping people making a difference, but all of that demands a lot of your mental space and a lot of your, um, you know, mental energy. So, you know, beyond just, you know, it being a ton of hours, that's all that I thought about and that's all that I wanted to think about. And so even if I did technically have the hours in the day to work on Code Newbie, I was not burnt out, but I was I was pretty drained by the time I got to it. So, you know, once I quit, I was able to free up my mind and free up that space to even think and problem solve and be creative. And those are all obviously very important things when you're doing something for the first time. It's absolutely true. And I really love how you pull apart um, the idea of time versus mental energy, mm-hmm. because it isn't just about the time, right? Yep. Yep. I mean, you know, the idea of creativity and also doing something new. Yes. H- had you ever produced a conference before? No, no. I've done uh, meetups. So I've you know, hosted okay. a bunch of meetups and put together little things, but this is the first conference. Right. And, and there's a, I would say that, you know, meetups are probably like really big training wheels for a conference like this. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like, like they're, they're helpful, but like the, the scale is so yeah. different. I'm oh, assuming. It's so different. Yeah. Right, right, right. So, so yeah, I just really love that. Like, like that a lot of times when we're thinking about creating something or a project, it's really about having the mental space and the mental energy uh, for it. Mm-hmm. What was maybe a beginning point uh, like a hard point or a part where you were like, ooh, wow, this is harder, or oh, yes, this is exactly the right thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great question. So I remember I was on a flight, I think coming back from a conference or something, about a year ago, and I said, okay, I have you know six hours and I'm wide awake. This is where I'm going to plan the conference and plan the program and the vision for it. So I wrote out you know, what I wanted to happen each hour and what the themes were going to be, what type of talks we're going to have. And I had this whole plan. And then I talked through it with uh, a guy named Dwayne O'Brien from PayPal. And, um, you know, I I talked to him, uh, I showed him a little bit of my ideas and told him kind of the idea for it. And he looked at me and he said, you need to create an experience. What do you want the experience of your attendee to be? And when he asked me that question, it made me realize that the way I had thought about the conference before was what are the different parts that it would have? Like what are the, you know, the eight pieces that together make up a conference? And what he was asking me to do was before you even figure out those eight pieces, before you think about those components, how should the attendee feel? How should they respond? What should they think this entire time? And then based on that feeling, based on that experience, how do you pick the pieces to optimize for that feeling. 
And when I had that conversation with him, it just totally made me rethink the way I was approaching the planning and the design of the conference. And so I spent a lot of time thinking, how do I want people to feel? And that's when I, I said, you know, as a, a newer programmer, as a code be myself, I'm always afraid. Like that's my mm-hmm. my dominant <laughs> my dominant feeling. Fear <laughs> is strong. Isn't fear it? is very strong. <laughs> yes, I'm afraid that I'm going to be seen as a fraud. I'm afraid that people aren't going to take me seriously. I'm afraid that I'm going to you know be lost in a conversation. I'm you know I'm afraid that people won't um, you know won't believe me when I say I'm a coder. I'm just I'm always afraid. And what I wanted to do with the conference is I wanted to make people feel special. I wanted to make sure they felt like they belonged. I wanted to remove that fear as much as I possibly could. So having that insight, having that focus really, really crafted everything else around the conference. So once I had that, the next thing I thought is, okay, what do I want people to take away? Right? I want them to feel safe and included and heard and represented. And then after that, when I thought about the best use case of a conference and that's generally how I try to think of things is you know everything is a medium so a blog post is a medium a podcast is a medium a conference is a medium so what is the best use of that tool and for me the two things that I love about conferences are if they're done well I leave feeling super super inspired and really excited but by the time I've left I go back to my, you know, my day job, my the real world, and I kind of lose all of that power. I lose a lot of that passion. Mm-hmm. So the second thing is I wanted to give people an opportunity to use that, um, use that passion, use that inspiration while they're there and actually take steps towards their coding journey. So those were the two um, results that I wanted, right? Once you're safe and you feel, you know, included and welcome, I wanted to make sure you were really, really inspired. And I wanted to give you an opportunity to take action before you left. And once I determined those three things, everything else fell into place. So, you know, a couple things that we did around specifically the feeling welcome thing is um, I had a friend of mine who flew up from Miami specifically to help out with the conference. He's like an amazing person. And he has just one of those really shining personalities. And so I said to him, you don't have to do this if you don't want to, but I think you'd make a really great greeter. So the way that the conference works is there's, you know, it's, it was hosted by Microsoft in the Microsoft building and you check in with security downstairs, you go upstairs and then you register with the conference. So in my mind, I said, you know, when you're downstairs and you're checking in with security, you're still at Microsoft. But when you get to the sixth floor and you enter our space, now you're at Codeland. So I had my friend Pata, he stood in front of the door where you, you know, get off the elevators and enter the space. And he would hold up his arms really wide, like he's going to give you a hug. And he would yell, welcome to Codeland. And he would start like breakdancing and cheering you on oh and clapping gosh, for you. Awesome. It was amazing. And, you know, he had like the, the Codeland uh, sign. So he was like dancing with the sign. And it was, it was just awesome to, you know, walk into a space and know immediately this is where you belong. You are welcome here. We're so excited to see you. Um, you know, so that was like one of the things that I thought about. Uh, another thing that the volunteers actually thought about was when people left, they basically created like a human runway and they clapped for you as you left. So literally the beginning you're in, you know, when you enter, you're greeted by this really warm, super excited guy. When you leave, we're all applauding and like literally cheering you on. Um, so, you know, from start to end, you are loved and you're taken care of. And those are some of the things that, uh, you know, we're able to think about once you've decided on what that experience should be. I mean, that's so amazing. I, I mean, I'm honest, I have like have tears in my eyes because first of all, of thinking about the experience versus the parts. And mm-hmm. the parts, um, it's, it's interesting. Um, when I went through, I went through this like leadership program years ago and they had this thing called um, particles versus space. Mm-hmm. And particles are, you know, like we need to have speakers and we need to cover these topics. Yeah. And it needs to be at this place. And then we're going to have this kind of food. And that's like all of like, like the, the tactical, logistical stuff. Yes. And yes. space is a little bit more about the energy of it and what the feeling yes. is you want people to have or the yep. experience. And so what great advice that he gave you. Uh, I mean, you know, it's a good reminder for me like, oh, yeah, that's really smart. I, I wonder if I would have thought of that. Probably not. Mm-hmm. Um, but but it, and, it, and it's similar for lots of, I mean, this, you could take this advice and, and put it to any kind of side project too, right? Mm-hmm. Like even mm-hmm. like we think about like a, a website or a book or anything that you might do. But how wonderful that is. And I love how it 
shifted and it really was about you thought also from your audience from the core you were yep. thinking about who is my audience and what do they feel and my guess is too lots of people feel awkward when they come into into a space like do I belong here oh my mm-hmm. gosh am I going to say something stupid and yep. think about like introverted people how that's wonderful I mean that's 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 really wonderful and 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 to be <coughs> frank I think you did a really great job I mean um I mean I I I saw the tweets and people were just, I mean, I want to read a tweet if that's okay. Yeah, go Um, (laughs) ahead. Codeland is the most diverse, accepting, and enlightening conference I know. Um, Thanks to um, Saranya Barak's um, amazing heart and drive. I felt honored to take a part. Um, You know, I mean, there are other ones here. Hang on a minute. I'm just looking at these tweets. They're so, Mm -hmm. they're so great. Back to Canada after a great conference over the weekend in NYC. Thanks, Code Newbies. Learned a lot and met awesome people at, mm-hmm. at, at Codeland. I, I think that that idea of having an experience, crafting an experience really carried through. And I think that probably shifted people's experience mm-hmm. incredibly. Yeah. Yeah. And that's one thing also is, you know, I've been to conferences that were super, super elaborate and obviously very expensive and beautiful. And I think part of crafting the experience for us is also just being true to the brand. Um, You know, when we are picking the food and the space and the swag and the even, you know, the hotel room, even the the dinner the night before we had, um, you know, instead of calling it a speaker dinner, we called it a community dinner. Um, And we invited, you know, the volunteers, the speakers, the sponsors and the people who were, you know, behind the scenes really making sure the conference happened. And when we were making these decisions, I didn't pick the fanciest places because that's Mm. not our brand. Like we, we are not, we're not a fancy brand. We are about, you know, family and we're more communal, if that makes sense. And we're more Mm -hmm. kind of like down earth and grounded. And, you know, and that that kind of goes along with the experience. You know, when um, when we pitched, for example, that community dinner, I looked at a bunch of places and there were some really, you know, and I think almost every speaker dinner I've been to has like a five course dinner and just, you know, salmon and crabs and, and steak and just all kinds of just really amazing food. And all of it is really nice, but that's just not who we are. And so instead we picked a, um, it's this Parisian grill in uh, in Manhattan and it was absolutely delicious and it was you know kebabs and you know grilled veggies and you know it was it it was a little non-traditional but it was also served family style and it was in this very you know clean very beautiful dining space but it wasn't you know the fanciest dining space in the world and I think that that you know those little decisions those things like that really set the tone for what to expect you know when you're sitting at a very long table with you know 15 other people and you're all sharing plates and asked to you know pass the you know the baba ganoush like all those things (laughs) help create and you know you know, optimized for this experience of, you know, being family and being welcoming, being inclusive. So that's another thing too, is, you know, when you're thinking about what is the experience at the conference, I think the easy thing to do, the default thing to do is like, let's have the most expensive and the richest and the fanciest of everything, but that's not necessarily going to create the experience that you want. So all those things were very purposeful decisions we made. Well, yeah. And I, I think, you know, thinking about like those speakers too, like making that, you know, I, I don't know. It seems like there could be a way in which, um, like, especially for like you've. I mean, I saw your, your your people who you were speaking. They were all amazing, very accomplished, and there could be a way in which, you know, that could be turned into like, oh, they're the masters, and yes. they keep all of the knowledge, mm-hmm. and you must sort of yep. like. I, I mean, bow down to them is the wrong term, but you know yep. what I mean. Yep. Like that, yep. that, like there's a way in which we can really hold that up as lofty, and yet by having them sharing the baba ganoush <laughs> and having kebabs and mm-hmm. you know sitting at this table, I think that 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 just sort of already imbued the spirit that you wanted to have at the conference. Yes. Exactly, exactly. And there was, you know, I won't I won't name names, but there was one particular conference <laughs> where um, there was a very clear distinction between the invited speakers and the cfp speakers like it was very obvious interesting yeah and you could tell like from the way the website was and the way we were treated um from the way like the the money was handled between the two like it was it was very clear that the invited speakers were the special ones and the cfp speakers were nice to have but you know also you know not just not that important and um 
that was one of the things I wanted to avoid because we had a mix too. We had, I think it was maybe a third invited and two thirds CFP, but nobody knew which one was which. Everybody was treated the same. So Everyone nice. had, uh, with the exception of the closing keynote, which had, um, I think it was like a 30, 35 minute uh, talk by Scott Hanselman. We didn't really have like an opening and a closing keynote. We didn't have different, you know, really different length talks. Like everyone was really treated the same. And we had, you know, first time speakers followed by more experienced speakers and just showing that, you know, just that mix and the way we presented that, again, emphasize this idea that we're all welcome. We're all excited to hear your story. Every story is important. Uh, and just really, you know, send that message home. That's so great. I mean, you know, I just put out, uh, I've just been submitting to the CFPs. I've decided to get back into speaking. And, nice. and that, yeah, it's, it was scary. I sent out three <laughs> last night and we'll see how it goes. But mm -hmm. it is interesting. I, I am, I was, I, I was nervous and thinking about that. Like, oh no, am I just going to, if I get into my, the skin of the teeth and what will they think? And I had all of those sort of like <laughs> imposter syndrome thoughts in my head. Mm -hmm. And, you know, then I shut yeah. the computer and went to bed. But um, <laughs> I love, I, I love that. Uh, let's not think about this anymore but I love that I, I just love that I think that this whole idea of creating an experience is just so delightful and wonderful and I think it has like I said I think it goes it's especially great for your audience but I think that that can be taken for lots of different kinds of audiences mm -hmm. you know what I mean thinking yep. about the experience was there a part that was really hard or unexpected about creating your first or producing your first you know proper conference yes Yes, um, everything. Everything was very hard. <laughs> I was like, oh, what's this one thing? Oh, okay, got it, yeah. <laughs> everything was hard. Uh, but I'll call out two specific things. So one is, you know, with the, a conference, going, uh, speaking a little bit about the budget. Um, I So first of all, I, I had a conference advisory board. So what that means is I went to a bunch of conferences that I really love, that I thought, you know, had a really, really great experience and had the same values that, um, you know, I wanted for my own conference. And I said, hey, can I just email you random questions? And, you know, if you have a moment, just email me back answers. Um, and they said yes. So I had, I think it was like six or seven people who have been organizing conferences for years. Um, and I would ask them, you know, questions about the budget and logistics and all kinds of things, just to make sure I didn't, you know, do something absolutely stupid. And one of the pieces of advice they gave me on the budget was um, your ticket sales should cover your costs and the sponsors should cover essentially like your salary. And so um, for me, one of the things that I did was I spent, I think it was five weeks, uh, like five full-time weeks, just trying to get sponsors. And I reached out to over 100, I think it was, you know, about 110, 120 people that I at least emailed, you know, at least once. Um, and that process was terrible. Uh, it's just, you know, it, it's just the process of, you know, trying to find the right person, trying to connect with the right person, hoping you hear back from them. Um, you know, I, more than half people definitely just ignored my email. Uh, it was like sales. To, like some of it might be sales. Like warm it's leads, exactly but some of it were, it I'm sure, were cold leads. Like, yes, it's cold calling. It's sales. That's sales. It that's, is exactly sales. That, that's hard. <laughs> it was terrible. It was terrible. And it was, you know, it's one of those things where once... Once we had the sponsors, you know, so we ended up with um, with 11 sponsors and they were amazing and they were so easy to work with and they were so supportive and they really got the message. So once we closed the deal and it became, you know, let's execute on this relationship, um, it was great. You know, I really enjoyed working with them. But the process of, you know, of it's basically just it's dating, right? It's like, mm -hmm. let's ask a bunch of people out on a date, hope someone responds and, you know, and then we'll see. And, you know, the frustrating thing is there were a lot of people who I got as far as like a real phone call or a video call and, um, and, you know, thought that we, we were a good match and you know, thought it was going to go through. And then I just like never heard back from them, you know, and that yeah. was just really frustrating. So the sales part is definitely, was definitely just a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. And just a lot more emotionally, um, draining. And so, you know, now that I've done that the first round, I have very different expectations, you know, from now on, I'm just going to expect that no one will respond okay. and I'm going to be very happy when they do <laughs> instead of, you know, being, you know, hurt when, when I get ignored. Um, so I think I'll do better the next time, but the, the first round was very, very hard. I mean, it's a good point. I mean, I, I feel like almost any time we have some kind of side project or a business, the sales part is the hardest in a lot of ways, and it's emotionally and mentally hard. Uh, yep. it's, that, that's a challenge. So that, 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 that's, that's really great. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I think that, that that's really good for people to hear. Not like, yay, I'm glad it sucked. Um, <laughs> but it's really good for people to hear and, and, and to understand like what you would do differently next time. Like adjusting your expectations mm-hmm. is really it's huge. Good. Yeah. 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 And that's the, um, the second thing that was really, really hard is being, you know, working on Codenaby mostly by myself for, you know, since it started, uh, I'm just always in my own head. And mm-hmm. one thing that I realized that kind of t- reached and, and touched a bunch of different parts of the organization process is because I'm always in my own head and I obviously I, I know what I'm thinking all the time, I assume that everyone else also knows what I'm thinking. And uh. so one thing that I just kept forgetting was like, oh no, I need to go tell people this information that just happened. You know, so one example was um, was the hotels. We had, uh, you know, we, we got a, a special rate for our attendees and our speakers. And in my mind, you know, because again, I'm used to just working by myself most of the time. In my mind, I said, great, we we did the hotels. We got the rate. Now that task is complete. No, it's not complete because now you have to go tell people <laughs> that they can book hotels. Mm. So that was just a thing that kept coming up, um, you know, more frequently than I would have liked it to is saying like, you know, just because you've accomplished the task and you have the information doesn't mean you're done. Now you have to go tell the 50 people that this decision affects and let them know so that they can plan. Um, So that was one thing that, you know, it was just like a a mindset uh, thing that ended up, you know, affecting my relationship with the attendees, the speakers, like it kind of reached all parts of the conference. That's one thing I want to work on for the future. Yeah, I mean, and, and then also then I'm sure once you send all that information out, then there's more questions that come back. Yep. yep. Um, a lot, you know, it's, it's funny. I've done a lot of, um, <laughs> I've done a lot of marketing and promotion and running conferences, not as like the core organizer, but um, more on like the marketing and sales, making sure it all goes off correctly. I've been doing that for a while. And the thing that always um, surprises people is the amount, the sheer amount of logistics and communication that has to happen. You know what I mean? Like, it's like you secure it and then you've got to go back and tell all these people and then there's going to be questions and then there's more things that are going to come out of that. There's just an incredible amount of logistics. Yes, yes. And it's one of those things where, you know, for... For someone who, for example, you know, we had speakers who once we booked the dates, they wanted to adjust their, you know, their check-in date, right? So they'd say like, oh, I want to get there a a day early or stay a day later. And when I look at my to-do list, that is not the most important thing on my list, but that's very important for them, right? Like if they arrive a day before and they don't have a place to stay, like that is a huge problem. And so one of the things that I had to constantly remind myself of is, you know, even though it's not the most crucial thing on your to-do list, it is the most crucial thing on a speaker's to-do list. Therefore, you need to reprioritize your list and make sure they're taken care of. Um, So that like mismatch, right? Of if you're, especially for me being, you know, the, the only main organizer and, you know, I had, I had people help out with very specific parts, but it was, you know, like 90% me, um, knowing that my list is just ever growing and huge, but still making sure not to miss or um, under prioritize, if that's a word, the quote unquote little things like that was something that I had to practice and remind myself of. Yeah, I mean, it's really true, right? Because there's lots of different stakeholders that you have in this, right? You have sponsors, you have attendees, you have prospective attendees, you have, Mm -hmm. you know, you have the facility, you have the speakers, you have your own stuff. There's a lot of different stakeholders in there that you have to keep uh, juggling and keep into account of what their perspective is, right? And thinking about that roving priority list. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's one thing too is um, you know when I when I told people I wanted to do a conference, I think just about everybody said like, oh, you need a team. Um, and mm. one thing that I'm really glad is I'm really glad I didn't have a team <laughs> because oh yeah, why is that? That's interesting. I'm so, oh, I'm so glad because for for a couple of reasons. One, um, when you are doing something for the first time. I think it's very hard to figure out what your needs are and it's really hard to figure out what works, what doesn't work, if you're going in the right direction or, you know, if you need to course correct. And I think because I was the person doing almost everything, I could see all parts and I could make adjustments very quickly before things, you know, went the wrong way. And I think that if I had a team member or if I had, you know, like a, a bigger team working on it at the same level that I was, I think that I would, I wouldn't have caught you know, as many things as I did before they, you know, kind of went the wrong way. And I think it would have been 
very hard for me to learn and say like oh next time we're gonna do this differently and you know we're gonna like this work this didn't work i just wouldn't have that information because someone else has that information and i also think that because and I they had, had the direct experience too exactly. right like is there something yep. about like viscerally experiencing the pain of something or the joy yep. of something that can be such a great teacher exactly and you lose out on that and because i had a very very specific vision for the conference mm-hmm. um being able to do all of the big parts means that I have very good feedback on what helped me move towards that vision and what, you know, pulled me away from it. And so, you know, I think, I think it'd be very, very hard for me to have worked in a team and, you know, and, and be able to explain what that final picture should look like, but not know what, what are the pieces, what are the decisions that are going to lead to it? So, you know, I think that a team is really helpful if you just need to execute. You know, if I, like, for example, for the future, if, if I can afford it, I would love to have more people work on it because now I have a very good idea of what works, what needs to happen, what order should happen in, um, how much it'll cost, how many hours it'll take. And now I could just assign people things. But I think in the very beginning when you're still kind of figuring it out and you're, you know, it, it's basically like a prototype of the conference. Um, I think having all that experience myself is going to really help for the future. I actually agree with that. I mean, I can see their point about um, having a team, those pe- those folks' advice, and, and in part, like, you know, it's what I talked about logistics, it's a nod to that, right? <laughs> At the same time, I really get, there's something that you learn so viscerally by doing it by yourself, and I, I actually think that's a really smart choice that you made. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a really smart choice. And you brought something up that's interesting. You said, if I can afford it. So, uh, you know, um, I'm, I'm that direct person who has to ask those questions. So can we talk about the finances of it for you? I don't sure. mean you have to give me your balance or spreadsheet or any hardcore no, numbers. Fine. What was the goals and what was one of your goals if you had more than one goal to make money? Sure. Um, so the goal, so making money was definitely a part of it. Um, I felt like, you know, so I, for my own podcast, I do sponsorships on that too. And one thing that makes podcast sponsorships really hard is it's not a format that people are very familiar with. So people don't really know what to expect. They're not sure how many episodes to buy. They're not sure, um, you know, what, what is the best case scenario for a podcast? It's just, it's, it's territory that no one's really familiar with. Um, and, you know, sponsors aren't familiar with it. And because, you know, podcasting, I've, I've been doing it for a few years, but it's not something I have that we have like tons of data on either. Um, I'm also not sure what their base, their best case scenario should be. And so with something like a conference, however, sponsors know how a conference should work. They know yeah. what success looks like. They've, you know, they probably have, if, you know, besides just a marketing budget, a lot of sponsors have specifically a conference budget. So I knew that as a business, as a way to make money, it was going to be a lot, lot easier than um, something like, you know, like a podcast sponsorship. So it definitely, you know, for me, uh, the financial goal was, you know, it had to be profitable, it had to be sustainable, it had to be something that, um, you know, that I could hopefully do and cover my salary. And the kind of longer term goal is I want to do uh, ideally two conferences a year and have that make enough money that I can hire someone to help out with some of the more logistics part of things. And then that'll free up my time and energy to take on and do projects that, you know, maybe aren't going to make Um, you know, a lot of money um, or, you know, make money at all. So that's kind of the idea of it is I wanted it to, um, to, to make money, to be profitable uh, and to have it be like a way to pay myself and make this whole thing sustainable so I could focus on other things. And so would you say that this first time, again, you don't need, I don't need numbers. Would you say this first time, did you achieve that goal of basically being (coughs) able to pay yourself like I don't know, whatever you call it, a livable salary for this first conference or, you know what I mean? Uh, Yeah, sure. I'm I'm happy to share numbers. Um, So we, so the goal with the ticket sales was um, I wanted to make uh, $40,000 in ticket sales and we made like 40,500. So we just, you know, we just made that. Um, And then the cost of the conference was about 52,000. 
um, which is a little bit higher than I, I wanted it to be. I was trying to get it to about 45,000. And that um, is, you know, it covers speaker travel. Uh, it covers uh, food, which is breakfast, lunch, and snacks for both days. The, you know, the community dinner the night before. Um, trying to think of like our big, oh, like, like, you know, hotels for people, that kind of thing. So, um, so yeah. You had the a, space was donated or no? Yes. Yes. Got it. Yeah, the donated. space was a, was a sponsor. I shouldn't say donated. Yep. It's a sponsor. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. And that, that can off. be, that can be a oh. huge cost. I mean, oh, yeah. <laughs> tr- trust me. Yep. It's a huge cost. That's yeah. what my, my conference advisory board, that's what they said. They said, you know, if you can get someone to cover the venue, it's going to take a huge line item off your budget. And I'm, I'm very, very grateful to Microsoft for, um, for being our venue sponsor for that. Um, so it was 52 uh, for the cost, and then we had 64,000 in sponsorships. So we made about 52, and my goal was to make 50. Like if it if it made less than 50, I was going to be very upset. So um, we hit our goal, and I think you know now that we've done Codeland once, and you know we got a lot of social media buzz, which is awesome, um, and people have heard of it. I think it'll be easier to um, ask for sponsorship and you know make money in the future. So um, yeah, it it hit our our goals. I mean, I think that's so great. I, I feel like there's a resistance sometimes <laughs> to talk about like conferences making money or not, and and I, I love I, I love just the openness and the frankness because you know it I, like let's just be honest. How long did you work on and plan this conference? So I've been thinking about it for, uh, well, that wouldn't be a year. I think it'd be nine months. Um, so nine months ago is when we like got the date and we got the venue. I think that if I kind of condensed it into full-time hours, I would say I spent about five to six full-time months working on this. That's a lot of time. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, right. definitely. it's a lot of time. <laughs> I think that that's. I, thank you so much for sharing the numbers. I think that is so um, fascinating. That's just mm-hmm. it's 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 really good to know. I mean, I'm a big uh, proponent that people should be able to make money off of side projects or yep. things that they care about. And and for you, this is your business. Like this is you know, the conference is part of your bigger you know your business. So I think that that's um, that's really important. So um, what would you say, I guess, um, I'm curious about, like, oh, you know, actually what I'm really curious about? Yeah. Like, the day after the conference. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you've been planning this and doing this, and or maybe it's like a week after the conference. Like, I'm looking at that moment, another inflection point where things kind of calmed down. Yeah. Or, you know, it was over. I'm curious yeah. what that moment was like. So the day, so first of all, let me give you an idea of the week of the conference. So it was my husband and I, um, my mom and my little brother actually came up from, uh, from Maryland to, you know, go to the conference and support and, you know, help out and stuff. Uh, and so my mom and my brother are staying with me in, you know, on an air mattress in our living room. And, uh, another friend of mine, Kim, who lives in Atlanta, she flew up to help out with the conference as well. And so she's staying on my couch. So the day after the conference, it's, what is that? One, two, three, four, five, it's five of us in the living room. And we do, I think is the longest debrief ever. We just talk about the conference for hours. You know, we go through every single part of it from the planning to, you know, the night before to the day of. And, you know, we're, we're just, you know, I'm, we're all talking out loud. Kim is taking notes and we're just going through everything we loved about it, everything that we didn't like about it, ways to improve different ideas. Um, So the day after the conference was just really us sitting in the living room and just talking for hours. Um, And, and that was awesome, you know, and being able to, you know, and we all had such different roles. So for me, one thing I did do that I'm really happy that I did is I hired um, a volunteer coordinator to basically run the show the day of the conference. And so mm, smart. Yeah. And this is one thing I learned because a few months before the conference, I did like a one day security workshop. It was an all day security workshop thing. We had about 100 people and we actually had it in the same space. So for me, that workshop was a really great trial run of what it might be like to do a conference and I learned that as the main organizer everyone kept coming to me for questions for instructions for next steps and I was so quickly overwhelmed by all of the people so I said when I do Coatland I'm going to hire someone for that role and they're going to manage everything and then I'll have the freedom to put out fires if needed to be pulled away to you know talk to attendees um and I just I wanted to make sure that I wasn't running around 
Well, and even to make sure the experience is running <laughs> as you want, the people exactly. are ex- having the experience they want. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. And Smart. so, mm-hmm. and so, um, you know, the days of the conference, I was able to really, as you said, like take a look at the big picture and walk around and make sure all the pieces were, um, you know, were the way they should and look the way they should. And then, uh, you know, Kim was the person working directly with the speakers. So she was the, one of the people running around. Rob, my husband, uh, he was doing the AV tech stuff. So he had a really good sense of, you know, how that all worked out. Uh, my mom and my brother were just kind of, you know, hanging out and you know, taking, taking all the photos and videos. So they had good perspective on that. So between, you know, the five of us, we had a lot of different, um, insights and ideas and thoughts on it. So, um, you know, that, that was really, really helpful for me and you know, to take notes and, and figure out how to do it even better the next time. Well, that's great. Yeah, yeah. that's great. That you could do a debrief and that you had a de facto team that, you know, exactly. supported you, um, through that. Yep. Um, I, I, I have to ask this. I'm like those people, people, I swear, people think I, I must think I'm a, um, you know, like a, a sadist or something, but I'm curious about the moment when you, it was there a moment where you thought, what have I done? Or, oh my gosh, this is, I made a mistake or this is going, this is, what am I doing? You know what I mean? Oh like my a, God, a yeah. hard moment. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, I think it was, was it two weeks? It was it was like two or three weeks before the conference. And that's when, you know, like, like you mentioned, the logistics of putting on something with just so many different people involved is just, it's one of those things where it's not, it's not hard in an interesting way. You know, it's not like right. intellectually stimulating. No. Or, <laughs> no. Do you know what I mean? It's like checklist upon checklist upon yes. checklist. <laughs> yes. It's, it's like the most boring type of hard work ever. Uh, um, yes. <laughs> yeah. And it's, you know, it's so like, it's so anxiety inducing and also boring and just time consuming. And so, you know, it was a couple weeks before the conference and that was when we had to make sure the caterers were all booked. They knew, you know, what time they were going to come in. All the hotel stuff was done. Um, when you have sponsors, they want to, you know, they have to mail you things. So figuring out, you know, did, did I send the correct mailing address? Um, is it going to get there? You know, and, and we were, it, it was all being mailed at the venue you know, to Microsoft directly. And so, you know, it had to be there on time, obviously, but it couldn't be there like too early because there wasn't going to be storage rooms. So kind of making sure that part was good. You know, there were just so many little things uh, that, you know, really had to come together. And I think it was, you know, around that time, about two weeks before the conference, I looked at my husband, I said, this is bull crap. I hate this never doing a conference ever again is the worst, <laughs> yep. you know, like, why, you know, why did I think what this was a good I idea? Thinking? What a, yes. Yeah, 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 what, <laughs> had, my, had my head examined, yeah. Exactly, uh, and then, you know, all it took is, like, the 10 a.m., the first day of the conference, and I'm like, I want to do five more of these, this is the best. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, yeah, definitely, definitely had that moment. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. So the other question is, how did you get through it? So right, so there's a span between like two to three weeks before and then on the day of the conference, <laughs> you were happy. But there's like, okay, then there's are there two or three weeks that you were miserable or did you? how did you find your way to, were you miserable the whole time or how did you find a way to find resilience or a bright spot or, you know, how did you get yeah. through it? Oh, that's a great question. So uh, I think partners are super important and really helpful. Uh, so my husband, you know, I'm, <laughs> the the way uh, my husband and I talk about ourselves is I'm I'm plus 100 minus 100 like the you know terrible things for me like a, a bad day is like the worst day ever and oh my god how could this happen yeah. and a good day is the best day ever and oh my god I'm so happy and he's minus one plus one like he you know he's like ah this sucks and ah this will be fine um so so you know, the swings me, are quite different yes very, yes <laughs> The variance very, in those swings is quite different. wide. <laughs> yes, in like the best and the worst way possible. And so um, having someone like him to be my reality check. Like I remember, I think it was, I think it was maybe a week before the conference and I was trying to figure out name badges, uh, which ended up being a little more complicated than I thought it was going to be. Mm. And uh, I was putting that together and I was freaking out about it. And I was thinking like, <laughs> I think I was freaking about how uh, some people had Twitter handles and some people didn't have Twitter handles. And like, do I put the Twitter handle on the name badge? Is it weird if you get one, but you don't have it? Tw- like, you know, I was like freaking out about something that for me is like the, such a catastrophe. And he, <laughs> he looks at me and he goes, you know, nobody's coming for name badges, right? Like, no one's coming. <laughs> and he's like, no one's coming for the snacks. No one's coming for the badges. No one's coming for the swag bags. Like, they're coming 
for really great talks from awesome speakers and for really great community and you've spent so much time on that and like that stuff you've you've nailed and you've done a great job on like all this other stuff doesn't matter and so one thing that was really helpful um you know to me was just to have that in the back of my mind and you know when I started to get overwhelmed I started to like freak out about something um you know just to remind myself or just to ask myself like how important is this really you know is it important to you because you're just very detail-oriented and you know you want everything to be as perfect as possible or does it matter to the attendees it matter to the sponsors and if it only matters to you then maybe readjust how upset you are at the moment (laughs) um so that to me was just really helpful you know having someone just do those reality checks every once in a while um and you know and just adjusting my own expectations and being able to separate what is important to me and why is it important and figuring out like how upset or how you know how much time should I even be spending on this thing I love that, that he reminded you that, that, you know, you were focusing on the experience and that you'd already done that. Mm-hmm. And that, 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 that's fantastic. That, that's really help, helpful. I love how you have, it's how we can like draw on other people and our partners so very much that they can yep. give us a perspective because you're so deep <laughs> into it, right? I mean, you were basically doing 90% of everything and it's hard to see you know, the name tags for the great experience, yeah. right? You know what I mean? Instead of forest for the trees, like the name tags yeah. for the experience. It's like, you know, and so what did you end up doing with the name tags? Did you, I'm just yeah. curious. I, I left, I left the Twitter handles off. Uh, and it was really funny because so at the, at the end of the second or the end of the conference, I had everyone fill out these feedback forms and ask, you know, like, what's one thing that you you know, like to see improved? Yep. And I think a couple of people said like, it'd be really great if we had Twitter handles on the name tag. Cause I was like, damn it. <laughs> so close. Yeah. And it's hard in those moments when you're making the decision. And I think there's at some point whenever you're doing something that's big or public and re- involving a lot of people that you know, you're probably not going to get every decision right. Yeah. And what is right anyway? Yes. Yes. That ugh, I'm so glad you said that. So for me, you know, I, I, I have a, a really good friend who's a designer developer and we have this conversation all the time where I'm very comfortable making editorial decisions and she is much more comfortable making, I want to say like program oriented uh, you know, like logical decisions, you know, for her, like she thrives in a world where there is a right and a wrong and there is like a broken and a working and I thrive better when there are opinions. And so for me, you know, I, it was really easy for me to say, you know, there is no right way of doing a conference and there really isn't like, there isn't a wrong way or a right way. There's just, there's just the particular experience you want to have. And that is entirely an opinion. Like, Colan is one giant personal opinion. It's one person's perspective on how a conference should be. And so, you know, coming, uh, making those decisions and, you know, reaching like the many, many different forks in the road and deciding like, I, I would rather do this over this. Like that was something I was really comfortable with. And I, you know, if you're a programmer and you're kind of more used to the engineering, like let's solve this problem in a way that is you know is going to work the best um i think if you come into it with that mindset i think it can be harder because there is no right food to serve there is the you know even like the food we served i'm like this tastes good to me so hopefully (laughs) you know and and you know we we accommodated like dietary restrictions and you know and all that but at the end of the day it was like i like mediterranean food so that is what we shall serve uh so a lot of it is just you know a list of opinions well and you can get really caught up in that i know like in my own experiences we spent a lot of time thinking about coffee <laughs> like mm-hmm. you know do we have enough coffee do we want cold brew or do you want hot coffee and mm-hmm. how much decaf yeah. versus this and uh th- you can get caught up in all of those things and obviously we want to make sure you're you're providing a great experience but in the end it also what i've also found is it's not only just your own opinion but it's a p- about how a conference should be run but how a conference should be run for these people yes right yes, you exactly. know i mean i've even found that there were re- regional differences like you know when we did you know we've done courses in san francisco <clears throat> versus new york city and there were really big differences in how people you know did things and so it's like not only it's just in that moment for that audience mm-hmm. and that has there's huge variance there and i love that you say like those editorial or those opinions and i think that's a really smart it's a smart advice for lots of folks with mm-hmm. doing anything creative or a side project <laughs> or putting something out into the world yes yes and that's the thing too is you know with with codeland it was 
I think easier for me than it it might be for you know other first time conference organizers because I know my community very very well. Yeah. Right. Like I've been I've been I've been building Konami for a few years and I literally talk to them on Twitter every single Wednesday for at least an hour and now we actually do two Twitter chats a week so now I talk to them at least you know twice a week for two hours and you know I, I read their emails and we have Slack and there's so many different ways for me to get to know them that I feel like I have a very good picture of what they look like and what they yep. hate and what they prefer and all that. But even with that information, I still ended up making a lot of assumptions that I didn't realize I made until it was too late. And so one of the Interesting. things, yeah. And so one of the things is, you know, as someone who, you know, I work for myself, I've been working for myself for, um, you know, the last uh, year, I have a lot of flexibility with my schedule right? I can wake up whenever I want to. I go to bed when I want to. I don't really have like off days or work days. There's kind of all, you know, whatever I decide that they're going to be that day. And one thing that I am not sensitive to is, and you know, also like I don't have kids or I don't have any dependents. I have have no one to take care of but myself. And so I have a lot of freedom that most people in our community don't have. And that was something that I I did not take into account as well as I should have. So, so how did the, how did the, I'm curious about yeah. how that showed up. Yep, exactly. So one thing that I, I did and I, I did it with that in mind was we had a Friday and a Saturday. So usually conferences are um, during the weekday. Ah, got it. You know, mm-hmm, were during the weekday. And so I knew that for a lot of folks who had to work and weren't working at a tech job, it would be hard for them to take the day off. But at the same time, I didn't want to take up their entire weekend in case they had like family obligations. So having a Friday, Saturday was my way of saying, you know, you got to take at least one day off um, so that it's not just like taking up your whole weekend, but you don't have to take two or three days off of your week and, you know, get that permission from your boss. So that was my way of keeping their needs in mind. But the thing I didn't do is I started the conference at 8 a.m., which, you know, if you go to tech conferences, like pretty standard, but I had uh, a bunch of people in the feedback form say to me, if you'd only started the conference an hour or two later, I wouldn't have had to take the night before off so that I could travel. You know, if we started the conference at 10 a.m. instead of 8 a.m., I could have driven up the day of and, you know, not had to pay for a hotel the night before or had to get a babysitter or whatever that was. Um, And then the other other side of that is we ran over time on both days. The first day, I think we ran over by like half an hour. The second day, we ran over by almost an hour. And Mm. I, you know, for me, again, someone who picks their own schedule 100% of the time, I said, ah, like, you know, so what? Like, you know, we're all having fun. We're all, you know, we're all conferencing and building community. Like, this is great. You know, if anything, everyone will be happy that they get to stay here longer. Um, But there were people who had buses to catch, flights to catch. There had people who, you know, only booked a babysitter until a specific time and they just had to leave. And that was something that I was not sensitive to. So they could have given them FOMO too. Like, what am I missing out on? Exactly. I didn't get the whole conference experience. Uh, Sometimes like the best keynotes are at the end. Yeah. I mean, I'm not trying to pile on. No, no, exactly. That's totally true. I'm pretty clear. I probably couldn't run a conference. It's not really my bailiwick, like in this way, like a big conference like this, the things I run are, are quite different. But it is something we were very aware of too. Um, I, I mean, I'm, I'm. We're selling tickets for a course, and I already had. We're five months out, and people are already asking me about the timing. Yeah. So can I fly yeah. in the night before, and should I fly out? Can I fly out that night? And they're already thinking about that. And that's interesting mm-hmm. that, again, it's like the lens we put on and trying. Yep. You, have to, you know, it's like again trying to understand <laughs> somebody else's point of view or the kinds of things that they you need to take take into account for their perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's why diversity is so important. And you know, me as a as a woman of color, like I, I think I would be consider myself a diverse person <laughs> if that is a thing. Um, but mm-hmm. even I have my own biases, right? Like I have yep. a very perspective, uh, pre- specific perspective, and a worldview. And you know, another another example is. Um, because I am not, you know, a, a parent and I don't really have a lot of friends who are parents. Um, I was not sensitive to things like having a nursing room or having daycare. Mm. You know, it was something that the specifically the daycare part I looked into briefly. I know we couldn't provide on-site daycare um, because of just like the venue and there are different restrictions and stuff. Yeah. And for the few people who did ask, we were able to, um, you know, reimburse them and like provide that. So they were taken care of. But if I, for example, if I were a mother or if I, um, you know, if I knew lots of parents in my 
personal circle, maybe that's something I would have fought harder for, right? Like maybe that's something that I would have really pushed for. So, you know, at the end of the conference, you know, looking back and looking at the feedback and the comments, and, you know, I also went to a bunch of attendees and volunteers and got, you know, specific um, feedback and had, you know, conversations with them afterwards, I found out that, you know, I think in terms of how tech conferences usually go, I think we were definitely and very easily one of the most inclusive and welcoming, but even the most inclusive and welcoming conference has their blind spots. And so yeah. for the future, one thing I want to do is put together, you know, I have the, the conference advisory board, but I want to put together... I don't know what the right word would be, but like maybe like a conference experience board. Ooh, um, I like that. You know? Yeah, that's made up of, you know, just very, very different people who have different priorities. And, you know, they're all still developers and still people who'd right. be interested in going to Codeland, but um, people who are just not like me. And, you know, check in with them and say, like, oh, here, you know, here's where the conference planning is going now. Did I miss anything? You know, is there is there a huge you know bias that I'm not seeing? And just having someone that you know, a group of people to check in on to you know give me a little reality check and make sure that we really are serving as many people as we can. Well, and it's true because there's that idea of like hidden or invisible to us, and then yep. there's also hidden or invisible in general. Um, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, you know, like I have a chronic illness that is hidden and it's pretty much invisible. You would never know. And, you know, I think there's lots of those different kinds of examples, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, that could be hidden to us or could be hidden in general. So I love that idea of a conference um, experience board. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've been chatting forever. I feel like I could talk with you for hours. I know. It's uh, fun. <laughs> <laughs> you and I always have these epic conversations where it's like, okay, we got to go. Okay, we got to go. We got to go. <laughs> Anything we didn't talk about, you know, a moment, even like a moment where it was worth it or a moment, yeah. you know, with a, with an interaction with an attendee or anything that, you know, might, might come to mind. Yeah. Um, so, so a few things. One is, at the end of the conference, being able to see people's tweets, and we had a few people write blog posts kind of reflecting on the conference, and that stuff was really awesome because, you know, we, I, I made a lot of little decisions and little things, and like I mentioned earlier, I didn't know if anybody would care, and the fact that they did, and I got to see that they noticed was awesome. So, for example, our um, our speaker lineup was actually over 50% women, uh, and we had a bunch of international speakers and people from, um, you know, all types of backgrounds, and I was really proud of that, but at the same time, we're not a diversity conference. Like there wasn't mm-hmm. a single talk about diversity or inclusion. It was all like very, um, you know, technical. They're all like kind of based on like code and coding projects. Right. And I, I wondered if people noticed that, if they noticed that distinction, and they did. You know, a lot of people said, mm-hmm. you know, it was really awesome to have an actual like a tech talk that was all technical, but was also representative and actually showed people from all different backgrounds and walks of life, whether that's, you know, race or gender, but also just, you know, like passions, interests, age groups, um, you know, academic backgrounds. You know, some people went to college, some people didn't, some people had a CS degree, others didn't. So having, you know, for me, that was very purposeful and I really wanted to make sure we had an inclusive lineup. But knowing that other people picked up on that distinction and noticed that was awesome. And it felt so, so good. It was so validating because, you know, there, there are things to me that matter so much. And, you know, when, when they matter a lot to you, but you don't see that in the world, you kind of assume that no one else cares. You know, you kind of assume that it's just you. So, you know, walking out and you know, or walking around the conference and having people say that to you made me go like oh wow it wasn't just me this whole time like it was all of us like we we all had that same feeling um and so that to me was just hugely hugely validating and just really awesome and i think that you know the the one downside of doing a conference is not everyone can come <laughs> so you know we had about 300 people and to me it was you know just really was really frustrating was you know we had we had an opportunity scholarship we were able to cover travel and costs for 55 people um we you know our tickets were very affordable compared to other tech conferences our tickets were um you know like 200 to uh, it was like the individual ticket was 249 dollars and if you go to any other conference it's you know usually like 
you know, 400 and above for a one-day conference. So it was very affordable compared to tech conferences. But for our community of developers, of people who don't quite have their programming job yet or who are looking to code as a way to make more money, it was still not very accessible. And so... Right, because for them, it's kind of like a hobby or a side project or an emergence, a transition point for them. Exactly. Exactly. And they don't have companies are going to cover their conference costs. They don't have expendable income to spend. Because you know, that's the thing too. Even if the tickets were, even if the tickets were free, there's still, you know, flights and hotels. There's still like a yeah. lot of things that just still make it inaccessible. So for me, you know, I walked away feeling like, oh, wow, this was so much more impactful and so much more magical than I thought it was going to be. But at the same time, it was only magical for a couple hundred people. So mm. how do you take this experience, how do you take this magic, how do you take this community and create something that is either online or more local? You know, how do you how do you make something that has the same impact but then also has a much better reach? So that's one thing that, you know, I'm I've been playing around in my head, you know, since the conference is over and I'm um, I mean you're you're doing it again, correct? Yes, yes. We're hoping to do it um, in San Francisco later this year. It's it's all just dependent on the venue. Um, but we are definitely gonna do it next year in New York as well. Thank you so much time, uh, so much for taking time to talk to me about um, Codeland and your experiences. I'm so grateful to have had you on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. This was a lot of fun.